Well, good morning. It's so awesome to be back with you. Oh, it's, oh I love this church. Oh, it's, I mean, you guys know how to worship. I mean, you guys are like a, just a giant party here. I mean, this is, this is incredible. And uh, I just love being with you, and thank you so much for the privilege of, of just coming to share and, and uh, be with you. So thank you so much for, for having me. Uh, this morning, uh, what I want to talk about is mission. And I think it's really appropriate for what you guys have going on with, with VBS here, this awesome, wild thing that's going to be going on this week, reaching out to your community and your neighborhood, and, and just all the things that you guys are involved with is, is all about mission, isn't it? Yeah, that's what it's all about. And that's really why we exist, why we're here, is the mission. So when we... Uh, oh, good, that's working. Yay. So when we talk about mission... Uh, the question is, what, what are we really talking about, right? Uh, it seems like in, um, you know, recent history and, and uh, business, all this kind of, it's kind of trendy now in business to have a cool mission statement, right? Everybody's got to have a cool mission statement, cool vis- mission, vision, values, and, you know, all that stuff. And we even do this as churches. And, uh, you know, we wrestle through this stuff. And we've got to get the wording just right, you know, because that... Uh, you know, it really determines what we do and why we exist, right? So it's important for us to, to understand this. What is, what is mission? So what are we really talking about? And um, I'm going to see if my clicker works here. This might be cool. So uh, what, is the ter- what does the term really mean, mission? Where does it come from? So I'd like to, to share a little bit about that with you to kind of start off with. And by the way, um, we're part of this awesome family of churches, this movement of churches called the Covenant. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's right. There you go. Did you see Alice Cooper, by the way? I'm just curious. Was he there? Oh. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, so I didn't get to go, but I wanted to. So, anyways, we're part of this, this, um, this awesome movement of churches. It's been around since 1885. And <clears throat> so one of the questions that we like to ask as a movement is this question right here, which is, um, where is it written, right? We talk a lot about this question. Where is it written? Because we're people of the book, right? We're people of the scriptures. And so uh, whenever we look at something, we, we try to understand what God is doing or, or uh, understand something like mission, we go to the scriptures, right? So, um, so we, we seek answers from the Bible. That's what we do. And, and the question at first, what does it mean for us, right? And covenanters... Uh, we, we use the scripture to build our understanding of principles uh, and practice, faith, doctrine, and conduct, right? So, with all that in mind, what does mission mean? What does it mean? Well, it's kind of fun. I like to do word studies sometimes and just kind of try to understand, like, where, where does the language, what's the language doing? Where does the actual word come from? So, check this out. The, the word mission actually comes from a Latin word, mater, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Uh, Mater, which means to send. Raise your hand if you knew that. I'm just kind of curious. Some of you probably already knew that. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. So I'm actually telling you something new. All right. I love that. So yeah, so it comes from this Latin word, which means to send. And uh, check this out. It's the root word for mission. Now, where is this in the Bible? Great Commission, yeah. Check this out. Just in the Gospel of John, this word, matir, which means to send, appears 40 times. 
40 times in just the Gospel of John alone. So uh, it's in the Bible. So what other words come from this, this root, missio, in our, in our language? Check this out. Lots of words, lots of English words come from this. How about the word missile? Yeah. Look at all these words <clears throat> that come from this little tiny root word, which means to send. Admit, commission, com- commitment, committee, compromise, dismissal, emit, inadmissible, intermission, messenger, missionary, missile, missive, omission, permissible, permit, promise, remittance, submission, transmit. Just to name a few. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And so uh, all these different ideas come from this one root word. And actually, believe it or not, check this out. What we call the Lord's Supper, uh, sometimes called the Eucharist or communion or mass, that word actually comes from the same concept, which is sent. Is that awesome or what? And so really, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it's about being sent. It's about understanding what's been sent for us on our behalf, to us. And then it's also ascending out from the table. That's really where this concept came from originally. Isn't that awesome? So, what's our mission? What's our mission? We do have a mission, right? I mean, if we don't have a mission, we're in trouble, right? Yeah. Pardon? Yeah, what's our mission? What's, what's maybe... Uh, our mission as people, what's our mission as a church, what's, what's our mission as, as individuals. That's what I want to talk about. Um, guess what? We don't have a mission. You're saying, uh-oh, this guy's gone off the, the deep end now, right? Uh-oh. What's he talking about? Where's he going here, right? We don't have a mission. Why don't we have a mission? That's right. Guess what? Mission is God's initiative. So we're all caught up most of the time, and I'll just speak for myself. I'm usually caught up in, like, what am I supposed to do? It's my thing, and, and what am I supposed to be doing, and what's my mission, and, and I've got to make it happen, right? But I think I got that all wrong. I've got that all wrong. It's not up to us. It's not our thing. And you know what? That is very freeing. Isn't it? You can just relax. You can all just take a deep breath now. <sighs> right? It's not our thing. We don't have a mission. Because it's God's mission. That's what I want to talk about this morning. So what do I mean by that? Well, God's mission is relational. And we as believers are just simply asked to partner in His mission. That is awesome. This is good news. Because it's not up to us. It's not our thing. When you think about your VBS this week, it's what God is doing. It's not what you're doing. It's not up to you. In fact, I would submit to you, which is another root word of missio, submit. I would submit to you, God's already been at work. God's already been at work all around here, preparing the hearts preparing these kids, preparing these parents, right? He's already at work, and we're just joining in with what he's doing already. Is that awesome or what? That's what it's all about. It's very freeing. 
So the church doesn't have a mission. Isn't that awesome? That is so awesome. We don't have a mission. I love it. It's so freeing. It's like, oh, I can just relax now. It's not, I don't have to pull this off. And as a pastor, believe me, we understand this, right? We understand that, oh, it's, it's so freeing when you realize, especially as a church planter, this isn't, my, this isn't my church. This isn't my plant. This isn't my effort. This isn't my idea. This isn't my thing. I'm just, I'm just a partner. It's God's. This is God's thing. Oh, it's so freeing. It's so awesome. So, um, so the mission impacts others and impacts those who are sent. So you see, God has sent. God is a sending God. And we've experienced his sending. Those of us who are believers, those of us who know Jesus, we understand this. And then we get to be sent. So we're, we're the products of the sent one. And then we in turn get to participate in the sending. It's so cool. It's so cool. All right, so what's the purpose of God's sending mission? Why does God do this? Why does he do this? Why is he so interested in this? Why is he, why is he ascending God? The sent one seeks that which is lost. Why did God send in the first place? Because he was seeking something. He's seeking something that's been lost. Something is incomplete until the entire set is found. How many of you have ever lost something? I lose my keys every day. I lose my wallet once a week. You know, I mean, that's just how it is. (laughs) You know, and when you lose something that kind of goes with a set, it's like, ah, the whole set is incomplete until you find that one piece that goes with it, right? Well, this is exactly God's heart. This is exactly how God views us and sees the world. He sees something that is lost and incomplete. It's got to be set right. It's got to be found. It's got to be put back in its proper place. You know? How many of you, when you lose something or you know something's missing, it drives you nuts? You know? It drives you nuts. It drives me crazy. And often, I lose my keys and I look down and they're in my hand. And I'm like, (laughs) I've been looking all over for those. Or they're in my pocket or whatever. You know, it just... Ah, I think this is a little bit like God. Not that he goes nuts, but he's just like, until it's complete, I can't, I can't be, be satisfied. I can't be, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm not going to stop. I can't stop thinking about this. I've got to put things right again because of my love for my people. This is God's heart. So God's seeking and sending, it extends even to those that are not interested in being found. How about that? He's seeking those who aren't even remotely interested in being found. And it breaks God's heart. But he continues to seek. He continues to look. He continues to work to bring the lost ones home. We see this all over the Scriptures, don't we? Many of the parables that Jesus tells is about lost things. And so, this is the heart of God. This is God's mission, the Missio Dei, for you theologians. 
So, where do we see this in the Scriptures? Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. At the very beginning of the Bible. The very beginning of the Bible, we see God's mission. We see this coming out right away in the first couple pages of the Scriptures. We see God's missional heart. And so, in chapter 3, you know the story, it's uh, sometimes called the fall, uh, sometimes uh, called the disobedience of man. Uh, I just call it the crash. It's like, it's like humankind just sort of crashes, and it's sad, it's tragic, um, but it's what happens. And so, you know the story, um, Adam and Eve are created, they're in this perfect garden, this wonderful paradise. Life is good. Life is as good as it gets. And Adam and Eve disobey. And so, in verse 8, it says, That evening they heard the Lord walking in the garden, and they hid from him among the trees. But the Lord God called out to man, to the man, Where are you? Where are you? This is where we see God's mission the very beginning of the scriptures. God calls out to the man. He calls out to the man, where are you? Where are you? Can we go to the next slide? I'm not, not getting this here on the remote. Thank you. So guess what? God is still crying out to the world. Where are you? Uh-oh. Where are you, slide? <laughs> Where are you? There he is. God is still calling. This is God's missional heart from the very beginning. He still cries out to the world, Where are you? He wants to know where you're at. Think about that. He's interested in where you are. He's interested in your location. He wants to find you. Isn't that awesome? God comes down to the garden seeking Adam. And he says, where are you, Adam? Where are you? And he still cries out to a lost world, where are you? Every single person that lives on this planet, what is it, nine billion people or something crazy like that? Every single one. He's crying out, where are you? Where are you? Where are you at? Where are you at with me? That's God's missional heart. So, is this going to work? Should I try it again? God is still calling. Where are you, world? Isn't that awesome? So God wants to communicate and transform lives. That's what he loves to do. He loves to fill the souls, the empty souls of people. He loves his creation. He loves every single person. And he sees the emptiness, the vacuum in their soul, and they, he longs to fill. So check this out. This is how it works, right? You guys know this. So sending and mission is part of God, part of who God is. So God, the Father, sends the Son. 
God the Father and the Son send the Spirit. Father, Son, and Spirit send the church. Look at that sequence. Isn't that awesome? God is a sending God. God is a sending God. Where? Where is he sending? Where is he sending? To the world. To your neighborhood. To your workplace. To your community. To Denver. To Colorado. All over the world. Every nation. He's sending. So, check this out. Who was sent in Genesis 3.9? The verse we just read. God's ascending God. If mission is sending, who was sent? Check this out. I'm going to tell you. God sends God's self. (laughs) How about that? I love that. Get kind of theological on you here. God sends God's self. He sends himself. In Genesis 3.9. What does this tell us about God's mission? Yeah. If the mission is God's, then why does God need us? If the mission is God's, why does He need us? Well, the cool thing about God is that God wants things to make sense. That's what I love about God. He wants things to to make sense to us. And so He's always accommodating us. So, we read in the scriptures that in Genesis, God walks in the garden. Almost like he's taking on some kind of human form so that Adam can understand and relate to him. Because how else could a finite human being understand an infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful God? But he comes down in a form that we can relate to and understand. So why does God need us? Because God's mission is always relational. God's seeking mission is always relational. It's not about just sending a message. You know, sticking a message in a bottle and throwing it in the ocean. God's like, yeah, I hope they get the message. You know, I hope they find the bottle. Um, and then I hope they can understand what I'm trying to say, right? That's not God. That's not how he works. He's like, if I have to come down there and show them and help them understand, I'll do whatever it takes because it's all about the relationship that I long for with them. And so, God's mission is always relational, and God is always looking for partners in his mission, Relational partners. In other words, you and me. What a privilege. What an incredible privilege to be chosen by the God of the universe who's made all things. And he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, partner with me. Work with me. We can do this together. I don't want to just do this by myself. I want to do this with you. It's way more fun with you, with other people. We could do this together. We can work as a team. 
In fact, I'm going to send you. And I'm going to help you and watch you do the same kinds of things that I love to do, which is go and be there and be relational and get your hands dirty and see the miracles that happen. So, God's seeking mission is always relational. So, check this out. Now, this is not in any way, shape, or form a political statement, okay? But I just want to show you this kind of interesting thing that happened one time. Um, because God, God's news always comes in ways we can feel it, okay? So, here's an illustration. So, there's a, there's a young boy that was touring the White House. And he, he sees the president, who's um, tall, as I understand. And he notices that the president's hair kind of looks like his. And so he asks the president, he says, is, is your hair like mine? And so the president, instead of trying to explain it or answer the question... What's, what's like probably the best thing he could have done? He bends down and he lets the boy feel his hair. You see that? He can feel it. He can experience it. And what is the boy really asking? Could I be the president of the United States someday like you? Is that possible? Is that even in the realm of possibility? Because if my hair is like your hair, maybe so. Right? This is how kids think. And so, I don't care, you know, whatever you think of President Obama, um, I think that's pretty cool. Okay? Because he gets it. He gets how this stuff works. And, And that's how this stuff works. We have to experience it. We have to feel it for ourselves. And people are that way. So where else do we see Check this out. There's a really awesome scripture in Isaiah 49.6. Now, this is all over the place in the Bible. I just picked this one. But God is, is saying to Isaiah here, I have a greater task for you, my servant. Not only will you restore greatness to the people of Israel who have survived, but I will also make you a light to the nations so that all the world may be saved. God is the God of the nations. He's the God of Israel, but he's the God of the nations too. So, what was the name that early covenanters chose to call themselves? Mission Friends. That's right. So, you know what's cool about our, our family of churches? We were missional before it was cool. Way back when. Way back when. Yeah. So, I commend them. I'm like, wow, you guys were way ahead of your time. And so uh, I'm just going to briefly go through this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But this is kind of cool. You know, why did they choose this name? Um, And here's a couple early covenanters. Bless their souls. Cool cool people. Those old Swedes. So check this out. During the the World Fair in Chicago, I believe it was 1893, there was a Parliament of World Religions that was held. And that's a picture of the actual Parliament of World Religions. It was the first time that all the world religions came together to talk. It was kind of a historic time. And um, it was the first major major gathering of Eastern and Western religious leaders. And they did a bunch of things. They met in uh, September of 1893. It was held in the Art Institute of Chicago, 
which is what is now the Art Institute of Chicago. Each day began with the reciting of the Lord's Prayer. You don't see that happening that much anymore. Uh, they recognized 10 major world religions. And there were 194 papers that were shared, and there were 152 of them were Christian. Okay, Pretty interesting time, interesting event that took place. So here's an excerpt from the Covenant's presentation, because the Covenant was only a few years old at that time. And they were you know, in and around the Chicago area, and so I think they thought to themselves, hey, the World Parliament of Religions is going on at the World Fair. We've got to be a part of this. Because, hey, look at us. We're, we're like a religion, you know, we're, we're a religion kind of, or whatever. We're a group. We should, they should include us in this, right? And so they, they got involved, and they wanted to present a presentation. Like, hey, look at us. Hey, we're small. We're small. Look at us, you know? It was kind of that idea, I think. And so this is what they wrote. They said, the covenant is not a church organization in the ordinary sense, but a mission society. Having churches as its members. These churches have consolidated because of the missionary spirit, which led them to missionary enterprises too large for any single church to undertake. So guess what? We have this great spiritual heritage, people who understood the mission. They were missional from the very beginning. They didn't start out and go, hey, let's start a denomination. Let's start a church. They said, no, we're on God's mission. That's, that's what this is really all about. God's on a mission in the world, and we want to be a part of it. So, check this out. There's my cool fire. The church exists by mission, just as fire exists by burning. If the church is not existing by mission... It's not going to make it. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I mean, we've got to keep remembering this. Keep this in mind at all times. Just like fire exists by burning. And Emil Brunner said, where there is no mission, there is no church. Think about that. Where there is no mission, there is no church. I mean, we can gather and sing great songs and party together and, and you know do all these cool things that we do. But if we're not here because of mission... We're missing it. We're totally missing it. And so we, we constantly have to be reminded of this. God's mission is the reason for the church. It really is. It really is. So starting new churches is one way God advances his mission. So um, one of the things that we talk about as a movement is we say, we desire to see more disciples among more populations in a more caring and just world. We're committed to start and strengthen healthy missional churches much like the Apostle Paul started and continued to strengthen churches in the New Testament. We believe the local church is God's basic strategy to carry out mission in the world. Do you believe that? So, I am a church planter. Alright? So this is why this, this really like is close to my heart. Because somewhere along the way, not too long ago, a couple of years ago, God spoke to me, and he says, I want you to join me in my mission. You're going to start a church. And I'm like, what? <laughs> right? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, there are lost people right in your area, right in your community, and I'm seeking them. I'm already working in their hearts, and I want you to join me in this. Because I care about lost things. Lost people. Right? 
I'll never forget, I, I, did, <laughs> I did youth ministry for the better part of 20 years before I got into this, this church planting gig. And, and I, was, um, <laughs> I, was, I, was re- I really prided myself on all the mission strips and all of the events and all the cool, fun things that we would do. Because that's what youth ministry is all about, right? We do fun things together and we go to crazy, insane places and do crazy things, right? And so that's what I did. So I had prided myself on all the mission trips that I'd ever done and all the trips that we'd done uh, throughout the years. I'd never lost a single kid. And I was very proud of that because I would tell parents, I'd say, hey, you know, 80% not bad. If we come back with 80% of your kids, I mean, that's pretty good. You know, we go down to Mexico and we come back with 80%. We're doing good, right? Do you wonder why I'm not in youth ministry anymore? So, <laughs> so uh, not too long ago, I took my youth group to uh, this place called Waterworld. Okay, and we, we had a blast. We had a couple vans. Um, we we go to Waterworld on a hot day, you know, summer day like this, and and uh, we were having a great time. And it's time to go. It's time to go. We're walking out, and um, and some of us, you know, had to use the restroom. And so um, so I'm like, hey guys, should we stop here on our way out? It's a little bit of a drive home. Let's you know, take take advantage of this. So they're like, sure, yeah, that makes sense. So I walk into the bathroom, and it's full of suds. From head to toe, wall, ceiling, floors, there's suds everywhere because they're cleaning, they're cleaning the bathrooms for the day, I guess. That's how they do it there. And so I'm like, whoa, I'm not going in there. Right? So I'm like, that's okay, I get it. So I'm like, let's just keep moving on. Well, there was one kid who thought that was cool. And little did I know, he went in there. And then when it was time to get on the van, and I swear, I counted. I mean... I did everything I thought I was supposed to do, and we're driving home, and Joe calls me on my cell phone. He goes, Casey, where are you? <laughs> and I'm thinking, he's on the other van. Our vans are a little separated by a few cars. He's just kind of curious, like, are you guys ahead of us or behind us in the van, in your van? And I go, uh, Joe, we're right in front of you. We're in the van right in front of we're, we're in, or like I said, we're right in front of you. And he goes, where? He's standing in the parking lot at Waterworld. I don't see you. He's looking all around. I'm like, oh, Joe, uh, where are you? <laughs> and he's like, I'm in the parking lot. I'm like, oh, yeah, um... We're just kind of playing a joke. We'll be. Isn't that funny? Don't you think that was funny, Joe? No. <laughs> I'm like, that didn't work. That really didn't work. And so we get back and we get him, and I'm like, wasn't that funny, Joe? Did you did you get the joke? No. I'm like, oh. So God is a sending God, and He's looking. He's looking for us. Yeah. So uh, this is our church plant. Uh, it's called Inversion, and um, we're, we're having a blast. Um, and when God, when God sent us to start a new church, we asked a few questions. And we're, we're right down the road in Littleton Highlands Ranch, uh, south suburbs. So we asked us a couple questions. We're like, well, how is this going to work, right? Because uh, in our case, we didn't have like a big church come to us and say, hey, we want to help you, and we're going to give you like 100 people so you can start or anything. We didn't have that. I mean, literally how it went was 
Um, I felt the call. I knew God was speaking to me. I went home to my wife and I said, Val, God is calling me to plant a church. And I hope it's us. You know, not just me. But I could be wrong. What do you think? And I thought for sure she was going to be like, are you nuts? Are you on drugs? You know, and I'm like, I already had the words out of my mouth before she could get her words out of her mouth. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, 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 never mind. Terrible idea. Forget I brought it up, right? Uh, and then I was going to be like, well, I dodged that bullet, you know. I guess I can't do it, God, because my wife's not on board, you know. So, whew. So, what does my wife say? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, excuse me, what did you say? She's like, let's do it. And I'm like, wow, whoa, now I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, I'm in big trouble now, right? But the question is like, okay, so now we got two people. We have a 14-year-old daughter. She was 12 at the time. So we went to our 12-year-old daughter, and we're like, Mommy and Daddy are going to start a church. What say you? Are you on board? She's like, sure. I'm like, sweet. we got three people in our church now. <laughs> this is awesome, right? So we started our church with three people. It's amazing. And in and, and like a span of five minutes, we're the fastest-growing church I've ever heard of. We tripled, <laughs> we tripled in size in five minutes. So, but the question was like, so how do you reach people that don't want anything to do with church, which is what we felt called to do, right? Which is God saying, where are you? Where are you, world? Right? And if they're not going to church now, why, why would they come to our new church? I mean, if they're not coming here, I mean, if I start a church across the street, are they going to show up there? No. No. Probably not. Because not, it's not on their radar. They're not thinking about church. That's not what they're interested in. That's not what they're thinking about. But is God working in their hearts? Is God saying, where are you? Yes, He is. So, how is this going to work? Well, I still haven't figured it out yet. So we'll just close with that. No, just kidding. (laughs) No, let me share with you a couple things in closing. This was kind of the revolutionary idea. If we're going to have a shot at reaching these folks, we're going to have to do one thing. Meet them. Meet them. Remember what God does? He comes. He's relational. He's there. He's present in a form that we can understand and relate to. He's sending us as flesh and blood to these people. And just like Jesus, you know, Jesus was accused of being a a glutton and a drunkard. You can read that in Luke 7.34. Because why? Why? Because Jesus didn't wait for people to come to him. He says, I've come, I've been sent by the Father to the unhealthy, not the healthy. I've come to the, to the sick, not the well. Which is what the physician is all about. The physician comes to help the sick. So he went and he got involved in people's lives. He went to them, which is the sending God that we know. And so the thought was, we're not going to just sit back and See if they show up, because that's not going to work. They're not interested. So we got to go to them. We got to meet them. We got to meet these people. And so, you know what we did? We started a meetup group. <laughs> and I don't know if you're, you're familiar with meetup, but um, meetup is the world's largest network of local groups. Meetup makes it easy for anyone to organize a local group or find one of the thousands already meeting face to face. 
More than 9,000 groups get together in local communities each day, each one with the goal of improving themselves or their communities. When I read that mission statement, mission statement of Meetup, I went, that sounds a lot like the church. And then, I, and then I found out about this. Meetup's mission is to revitalize local community and help people around the world self-organize. Meetup believes that people can change their personal world or the whole world by organizing themselves into groups that are powerful enough to make a difference. I'm like, they stole our mission! They can't do that! That's not fair! Like, have they been reading the Bible or something? You know, Meetup started, by the way, by the uh, survivors and victims of 9-11 in New York City. They wanted to figure out a cool techno way, you know, when the web was kind of getting going and all that. How can we keep meeting together? How can we keep all of us survivors and, and people that have experienced the same trauma, how can we continue to reunite and have reunions and stay together? And, and so they, they started this thing, and now it's all over the place. Check this out. There's 26 million members. There's... 247,000 meetup groups around the world in 181 countries. There's over 600,000 monthly meetups. There's 3.88 million uh, monthly RSVPs. And uh, there's 5,000 meetups happening right now somewhere in the world. So we started this meetup group. It's called the uh, South Denver Social Club. We have 2,400 members now. And we do all kinds of crazy events. Uh, we do a food bank for the homeless. Um, we go, uh, we have happy hours, we uh, have dance nights at bars, we do all kinds of crazy things that the people that aren't interested in walking through the doors of the church want to do. And so we go to them. We are sent. Remember, we're sent people. God is ascending God. And so we started out with like just a couple people, and we're now got 2,400 people. And um, we do stuff in our house, we make sandwiches for the homeless, we have a food bank on Saturdays as part of our church ministry. Um, and I'll just tell you a quick story. There was a guy who um, lived within walking distance of the bar that we uh, do our dance night at. And he, so he'd walk down to the bar, and he sees us with our red hat. We wear these red derby hats, my wife and I, and we have these red and white name tags, and we give everybody a name tag. And there's a live band, and we just hang out. And, and so this guy's there, and he sees us, and he's like, who are you people? What is this? Right? And we're like, oh, we're meeting up with the South River Social Club. You know, we're partying. And uh, he's like, huh, I've never heard of Meetup. So he pulls up his phone, he pulls up the app, he joins our Meetup group, and the next thing I know, he's at our food bank. He's serving at our, at our food bank. I'm like, how did you get here? He's like, this is cool. I wanted, I wanted to be here for this. I'm like, wow. So he, can't, he comes for a few weeks in a row, and there's a, a lady coming through the food bank, and she's asking my wife, she's like, so, how does this work? Like, who are these people? And is this like your church, or is this meetup, or what is this? And so my wife's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of the people are with the church, then they're helping us, and then some of the people are, are just with meetup, and they're just here to help too. And so you never know who's who. And so she goes through the, the line, and she picks up each little you know, food item that we have, and every time she, she grabs something, there's a person standing there, she goes, are you with the, the church or meetup? Which one? And so she goes around. Each person asks them. And they're all like, I'm with Meetup. I don't care about no church, you know, even though we're inside of a church. And, uh, <clears throat> and so finally she comes to this James guy. And she goes, James, are you with the church or are you with Meetup? And he goes, I'm with the church. I go, you are? 
I didn't even know that. You know? And so he considers himself part of the church now. I mean, I could, I could keep you here all day with stories. I mean, story after story after story of people, lost people that God is seeking. He's already at work in their lives. And he's moving and drawing them closer to, to him. So God is still calling to the world. Where are you? And God wants to partner with you. So my question to you is this. What's your answer? Is your answer yes? Because God is calling you to partner with Him. That's what He loves to do. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank You for the way that You work. Thank You that You are a sending God. You're all about the mission. Thank You that we don't have to worry about our mission. We just have to worry about Your mission and joining You in what You're already doing. Thank You for the privilege and the honor that it is as weak and imperfect and sinful as we are. Broken. Hurting ourselves. In need ourselves of You. Of Your fullness. Your love. Your power in our lives. That we get to do this with You. Thank You, God, for the way that we get to join You and see You at work. Thank You for using us to bring your message in flesh and blood just the way you like to do it, just the way you did it yourself through your Son, Jesus, who we love and we thank forever. In Jesus' name, amen.